Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That is taken from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. And this is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. I'm Stephen McFarlane, joined by... My name is Tim Young. We are glad to have you with us once again to uh, begin Season 2. This is great, Stephen. (laughs) I've had a lot of people asking me, when are you going to start again? And here we are, the beginning of Season 2. And we got a lot of great stuff ahead of us, but we're planning something for this first podcast, which it's making me a little trepidatious. It's a why do you it's say a, that? It's a very it's a very difficult subject, and what we're going to be going through is is going to be a little tough. And I've kind of been struggling with how to present it, but I think in the end, I, I'm hoping you're going to find it worthwhile. And I and I started thinking, you know, what do I have to worry about because our listeners are very intelligent, very astute, and we've got the best listeners on the, on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have, uh, we got a healthy challenge in front of us, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it all stems from the last podcast that we, we did together. We left them on a bit of a cliffhanger. You're right. right, yeah. We were talking about Genesis 2 verse 7 and the creation of man, and I asked you at the end of that podcast where Genesis 2 verse 7 is quoted in the New Testament. It's taken me about a year to, <laughs> to figure you out. Finally where figured it out. Yeah. Oh, I think you had it quicker than that. <laughs> no, but I think it's going to be helpful for us to uh, to really tease out the answer to to the the questions we're going to pose uh, together on this podcast. As you mentioned, it can be a difficult subject. Yeah, it can be be one that's challenging for us. And I think what's encouraging is even though it's challenging, even though it can be difficult. What we find is if we we put in the time, that the Word of God will have the answers for us. Right. And it's just incumbent upon us and upon everyone that reads through the Word of God to follow through on their study and on their reading and to try to trace these these themes through the Word of God. And so we'll begin in Genesis 2 and verse 7 where we left them. Yeah. I mean, you could go back to that other podcast and, and pick it up, but you don't have to. I think this is kind of a little standalone one as well. But yeah, let's let's just do a little review of what we learned from Genesis 2 verse 7. Yeah, so it's helpful just to, to pick back up. And for the faithful listeners, they'll be very aware of some of the, the phrases that we'll walk through. But it's helpful just to remind ourselves of Genesis 2 and verse 7. Because we read there, it said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And you'll remember that we talked about last time, Tim, how that, that word formed, it had this idea of being shaped, of being molded like a, a potter with his clay. Yeah. And then we see the two aspects that come up in this verse about, well, what actually goes into this idea of this living soul that we'll talk about through this podcast. We see these two aspects. It's the breath of life and the dust. And so God forms man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And it's helpful for us as we kind of work through some of these working definitions just to define again this word soul that comes up in the, the end of, of verse 7. I was going to say, when you, you, when you mentioned the potter, mm-hmm. like the formed aspect there, there really seems to be a lot of emphasis here on the ground aspect. I just want to go through this and look at that 
because in just put it on the shelf for when we come uh, later on in our studies. But if you look at it, how many times in this section it mentions the earth or the ground or the dirt? It's all through like verse four, verse five, verse six, verse seven. And it also mentions like these plants coming or the garden coming mm-hmm. up through the ground. Even the word Adam, Adam mm-hmm. in the Hebrew means earth or it has this idea of red or, or reddish earth. So there's a real emphasis here on that which is from the ground. It's as if the clues are being laid right from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have, again, coming back, we have this word soul. So I think, thank you, Tim, for you at least kind of whet the appetite yeah. for what we'll look into as we kind of move forward into to 1 Corinthians 15. And this word soul, near the very end of verse 7 if we look it up in the Hebrew, it's this word nefesh. Right. It's a pretty well-known word in the Hebrew. It's kind of found throughout the work of the Old Testament. And what's interesting is you start to look through this word, it, it simply means a breathing creature. Other translations of the Bible, when you actually pick up this word in other locations of scripture, other verses, it'll translate it as life or breathing thing. Yeah, my the ESV says man became a living creature. Okay. Translates it as creature at that point. So it's helpful for us just to get an understanding of some of the words that are being referenced here and other ways that we can start to, to think about this word soul as we start to trace it through in the word of God. Because we're going to come to it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But just before we leave... Uh, this verse, I just thought it's interesting just to take a look at how verse 19 of Genesis 2 starts out. Because mm. again, here's another connection. It's It'll be important for us just to keep this again tucked into the back of our minds. As we start to pick up this language here in Genesis 2, brought forward into 1 Corinthians 15. Because just look at the, the connection. Verse 7 was the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Verse 19. And of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. Same language. And it's interesting here that now it's related to the beast of the field. You think we'll see that again later, Tim? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. There's certainly interesting uh, topics, and, and this is the seedbed of the Bible here in Genesis, and we'll see that picked up in uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 as we start to, to trace that a little bit further. So I, know- I think it's really showing us, too, like there's, there's no difference between man and beast when it comes. They're both made out of the ground. You can find in scripture that they both have the breath of life that animates them. And they're both described as living souls or living creatures or living beings. The thing that makes man different is that he's in the image and likeness of, of God, right? But when it comes to our very nature, no difference whatsoever. And we're going to be seeing this in some verses that come up as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So we left them on the cliffhanger today. Yes. You challenged us in the first podcast saying, find the phrase immortal soul in scripture. Mm-hmm. And you can't. It's not there. You're still searching for You're it. You're st- <laughs> still searching for it. And I think a great way to show that is the case that it's not taught in scripture, is this connection where this is quoted in the New Testament. Now, if you have a Bible with marginal references in it, which I would suggest that you do, they're very, very handy. You might see one there off of First Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 45. And when you go there, lo and behold, that is a place where the Apostle Paul quotes Genesis 2 and verse 7. And it reads, 
Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. This is at verse 45. So this is like at the end of a a very long chapter. Mm. And this is what the difficult part with the podcast is, is that this is a very detailed argument proving the resurrection of the dead is essential to our faith. And I know, I know you've you've broken down this chapter. I, I've tried to break it down. When we do Bible study, before you really delve into things, that's what I like to do. I like mm-hmm. to kind of read it, read it over again, and then try to break it down into its logical sections to get the flow of the argument. So that might be helpful in this case as we, we come to this verse and try to understand why is Paul quoting this, is what is this whole chapter about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you figure that out, you know you can write it in your Bible. And it becomes helpful. Your Bible might already have headings in it, mm-hmm. which were made by the translators. They can be helpful, or they be, they can be misleading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does your Bible have as this chapter? What's this? Yeah, it's it's a great point to bring up. And so I'll I'll read through Tim just the the breakdown that I have for First Corinthians fifteen. Okay. And I did one too. So we'll okay. see how we let, Yeah, let me know how uh, if there's any differences or, or anything I should I'll be I'll let you know where about. you're wrong. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. It's in pencil, so it's easy to be changed. That's good. So yeah. I think, you know, the, the first thing is if you were to summarize the, the chapter in totality, if you kind of summarize the entire chapter, this is typically what's referred to as the resurrection chapter. I agree. First Corinthians 15. We're off so a good start. We start, yeah. we start in agreement. So what's an easy way to kind of break this up, and I, I hope we're on the same page right out of the gate, is the first 11 verses really reteaches the resurrection. I got, yeah, that's my first section, verses 1 through 11. I, I called it the eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. So both interesting ways to start to, to look at the breakdown of 1 Corinthians 15. Mm-hmm. And moving into the second section, verses 12 to verse 20 where you start to see some of these these questions. And it's helpful if, if you actually have a pencil just to circle the word if. Yeah. As you go through this section. If if and then, yeah. So yeah. I have this as the implications of denying the resurrection. So if you're going to deny it, this question of, well, if Christ is raised. If Christ is not raised. Not yeah. raised. Right. So it, it continues to come up throughout the section. How do you have it defined in, uh, in your breakdown, Tim? I said, yeah, kind of similar. The consequences of no resurrection. Because verse 12 is key, right? Because it says, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Mm. There's somebody amongst the Corinthians who is saying there's no resurrection of the dead. And Paul's going to have to deal. This is a false doctrine. It's yeah. very serious. Mm-hmm. And Paul deals with it in the consequences of what happens. And really, the most important part of this is that uh, verse 17 and 18, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then those also who are, have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. It's that idea of if there's no resurrection, there's no point. It's almost a subheading underneath the heading there that resurrection is essential. Yes. Yeah. Without it, there's nothing. Right. This is the centrality of, of our faith mm-hmm. uh, is the resurrection of Christ tied in with the full resurrection of, of all those who, who are in Christ mm-hmm. and in, when he comes back. Mm-hmm. So that leads us into the, the third heading that I have here, verse 21 to verse 28. 
yeah. which is the timing of the resurrection. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt that one. Okay, yeah, I like so. that. <laughs> <laughs> so then the next section is verse twenty nine. I, 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 I like that because it it goes in talking about how. Uh, the kingdom of God's going to come and that all rule and power and authority is going to be done with. And the final end is that death is described as this enemy that's going to be destroyed at the final end and God's going to be all in all. So he kind of gives an overall picture of the full plan and purpose of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. So, Again, in agreement. So this is good. We can move on. Verse 29 <laughs> to verse 34. I had the implications of believing and I know, mm. Tim, this is where we started to at least have a few differences. Yeah. <laughs> what did you have for your breakdown? I had, as it started had 29 to through 32, because again, he starts with some of the questions. Why do it if the dead rise not is basically the whole question. And then I broke down verses 33 through 34. It's a warning against false doctrine. I think he's going back to talking about those who are preaching that there is no resurrection of the dead mm-hmm. and warning the Corinthians about how dangerous this is. Mm-hmm. So the next section I had was verse 35 to verse 49. Oh, we're back on the same track. That's the natural to. and spiritual bodies. So this compare yep. and contrast that starts to come out that yep. Paul is certainly famous for in many of his writings. Yeah, that's what I got. And then verse 50 to verse 58 is really the necessity of the resurrection to immortality. Okay. I, I called that section showing the mystery. But I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, as it mm. says in verse 51. So simply um, some suggestions yeah. on ways to break up the chapter. But helpful just to get a bit of a review for really what leads into the section that we're going to try to focus our attention on in right. this podcast. Overall, resurrection chapter. Bit of a breakdown as we just kind of walked through that leads us into verse 35, Tim. Genesis 2 verse 7 is quoted in verse 45, which lands in the middle of this section that runs from verse 35 to 49, which is this contrast in between what is natural versus what is spiritual, what is earthly which is versus what is heavenly. But it starts in verse 35, and it's interesting because he says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Hmm. Now, This wasn't just some sort of hypothetical question that Paul kind of came up with out of the blue. It really goes back to that verse 12 about there's some preaching that there's no resurrection of the dead. So who is the someone saying this? It's those people who are preaching that there's no resurrection of the dead. It almost seems like they were ridiculing or mocking this idea that you would come out of the grave as a body. Hmm. And we see that in the Acts, in Acts chapter 17, Mm -hmm. the Greeks mocked this idea of the resurrection. They Mm -hmm. thought it was crazy because Mm -hmm. they believed in the immortal soul. But Paul doesn't. As you go through this section, we're going to see that the way that he uses Genesis 2 verse 7 and the aspect of how he understood what a living soul was, was something that was going to go in the grave, that was corruptible, that could perish. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the whole emphasis here. So... It, it's a bit of a long section, but I think we should read through it and just kind of see these these contrasts. Yeah, it's a helpful exercise, actually, Tim, if, if you're up for, for the challenge of us actually taking one side of the argument and the other taking the other side as we kind of read through this oh, in verse okay. 39. I, I like that idea. To the end, yeah. Where so, 
Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll take the I'll take the the flesh aspect side of this, the natural body. You take the spiritual body that Paul's putting forward here. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> it might just help the listener just to get a real clear sense and sentiment of what Paul is trying to get across, just by having two different voices, two uh, okay. you know, differing voices yeah. walk through it. So I'll start it off in verse thirty nine because this is where uh, you know Paul picks it up. He says, "For not all flesh is the same." But there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies. And earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind. And the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does this perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. So I think that's a helpful exercise to go through. That was great. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, because it it really just shows that Paul is laying out this massive contrast. Yeah. And it's difficult sometimes when you're just reading, you know, black letters on a white page. Yeah. But when you you spend the time to go through it, maybe there's an exercise, Tim, that that you could... I've done done it. I've highlighted them in my Bible. Now, this, we've kind of laid them out in two columns, what we were reading here, and one's red and one's blue. I'll put this up in our show notes. So if you want to see what we're talking about a little bit better, and I've actually marked this in in my Bible, so these contrasts stand out for me. You have the flesh column, basically, on one side, and you have the spiritual column on the other side. It's interesting that on the flesh side, you get words like perishable, dishonorable, weak. It is a natural body, Mm. and it is mortal. And that's aligned, he, he's proving that from Genesis 2, verse 7, when he says that the first man, Adam, was 
made from the dust, right? The first man, Adam, became a living being. Mm. So he's aligning that idea of the living soul or the living being with what is natural. In fact, that word natural is really interesting. It's a very similar word to the Greek word suke, which is the Greek word suke is the word for soul in the Greek, very similar to the word nephesh in Hebrew. The word natural is also this word sukekos, which is a related word. So everything about the the way that this word is being used by Paul has to do with that which is natural, hmm. that which is what is corruptible or perishing or mortal. But on the other side, he talks about how the last Adam, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you can just compare in that same chapter something like something like verse 22 shows that contrast. And he does this in Romans chapter 5 as well, comparing Adam to Christ. So he's doing that here as well. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now that's Jesus Christ. And that happened when he was raised from the dead. And he was now given the the power to resurrect others by by God. Mm -hmm. He's been given that power. But we see on the right-hand side of the column, some things that are heavenly versus what's earthly, what's imperishable, what's glorious, what's full of power, what is a spiritual body. And I think that's one of the key contrasts. He says there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. They're bodies, mm. both of them. There are entities. It's not some something that's like a ghost or anything like that. He's saying the necessity of the resurrection is that there is a body, but it's not a fleshy body. It has to be changed, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not letting you get a word in edgewise here. I, I'm getting excited, so I'm it's helpful. Stop right <laughs> I, I think I think it's ver- it's really helpful, and I think you know I'd actually put a question to you. Just if you were to then summarize, because you you know you had a, a good yeah. way to explain this section this section out. If you were to summarize what Paul is is driving towards, how would you summarize Paul's argument here? What Paul is driving at is the importance of the resurrection, right? It has nothing to do with an immortal soul. It's, no, it's not even a concept to Paul. And you can see that in the way that he's using that word. The whole important aspect here and the whole thing that our salvation centers around is being changed from this mortal to immortality. And that only happens when... Christ comes back because it says in verse 52, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. That last trumpet is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. as it says early in the chapter as well. And it's interesting, Tim, because when it talks about that the dead shall be raised, Mm. it has this idea of being rebuilt. The body will need to be rebuilt <laughs> yeah. coming up out of the grave. Yeah. So it all starts to make sense. And you know, you mentioned that there's there needs to be this change. And and really that's what I like there in verse 50. Because I mentioned to you before we, we kind of got started looking at this in, in other translations of the Bible, just to fill out the understanding, where in the net translation of, of the Bible in verse 50, it actually says, This is what I am saying. Oh yeah. It's almost as yeah, if like Paul that. is saying, come a little bit closer. This is what I'm trying to tell you. And he goes on to show exactly what you mentioned, that this change needs to take place. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So something has to change within us. Right. And that's what we've been trying to talk about around, well, then what is that change? 
we've talked about on the, on, you know, other podcasts, this, this aspect of, of baptism and this change that we have to go through so that we can be part of this true hope, which ultimately is, you know, going to come about by the resurrection of the dead when the Lord Jesus Christ returns mm-hmm. to set up God's kingdom. Well, I hope that makes sense. It's kind of one of those passages of scripture where you just, you have to read it over and over again. And it just it starts really coming to life and read it in different versions. And so I would suggest that, you know, one of the interesting things, like my head's been in First Corinthians 15 mm. because we've been doing this study. But one of the interesting things about doing studies like this is you get focused in on certain areas. And then say when you're doing the daily Bible readings or something that's out of the ordinary in the Bible, your mind's still there and you start to see it in other places. And I don't know when exactly this happened, but I was reading Psalm 49. And it just kind of jumped off the page at me that Psalm 49 has connections with 1 Corinthians 15. Uh-uh. And I was just like, wow. It's often these connections that just kind of elaborate things and just helps us to see that. was Is this where Paul's mind was? And we're not going to read all of Psalm 49. We this isn't a cliffhanger, though, right? You're going to actually no. <laughs> lead us through some of these. That's good. <laughs> I won't leave you on a cliffhanger this time. If you read through the whole thing, it's it's interesting how many times the word perish comes up or consumed or corruption, those types of ideas. That, are, that word perish is used quite a lot in 1 Corinthians 15 mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've circled those in my Bible so that they jump out. The ones that are really kind of key in this passage are verse 12. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. And then verse 20 as well says the same thing. A little bit different. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. Now, there's another little key thing here. It's comparing man to beasts. Shades of Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verses 7 and 19 that you brought up earlier, right? So we're no different than the beasts. The only thing that makes us different is our understanding, Mm. right? And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, he mentions beasts as well. The beasts at Ephesus. Yeah, that verse, if you're reading 1 Corinthians 15, it's in verse 32. He says there, What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? Mm -hmm. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So here's this, this question, why am I doing all this if there's no resurrection? And he says, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. I don't think he's talking about literal beasts here, Hmm. like lions or tigers or bears. Mm -hmm. If you go back to Acts, you can see the battle that he was up against was men that were in honor, but without understanding, right? So isn't that interesting? That reminds you back of Psalm 49. (laughs) That's right. And these are kind of the echoes that we get. So why does Paul just all of a sudden out of the blue kind of have this strange phrase about beasts? Hmm. Well, is he thinking about Psalm 49? Here's another one. Verse 14 and 15 are very poetical. Jews didn't really have a word for resurrection, but the thought is there. Just let me read this to you. It says, like sheep, they are pointed for sheol. Now, that's this is the ESV. That word sheol is the Hebrew word for grave. ESV just transliterates it. They don't actually translate it. But I think your King James has the word grave there, doesn't Correct. it? Correct, yes. yes. Like sheep, they are pointed for the grave. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. 
Their form shall be consumed in Sheol, the grave, with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Mm. There's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> if just break down the first one, it's really interesting. Like sheep, they are appointed for the grave. Death shall be their shepherd. So it's personifying death as this leader of people that are dumb like sheep, just going down to the grave. Paul does the same thing in 1 Corinthians 15. He says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. It's in verse 26. And he does the same thing in verse 55. He says, oh, death, where is thy victory? So he personifies death in this aspect that it's an enemy. Hmm. And it's the last one to be destroyed because before he talks about that all rule, all power and authority shall be brought down in the kingdom age. Well, that's here as well too, right? In Psalm 49, verse 14, it says, the upright shall rule over them in the morning. So there's this aspect about dominion over the enemies by the upright, the righteous ones, the saints that are with Christ in the morning. Why does it mention in the morning? Because the morning is the dawn of a new day. And that's the way that the Old Testament would often speak about the kingdom of God. It's mm -hmm. the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings. And then in verse 15, this is the key right here. Psalm 49, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol or the grave for he will receive me. Mm. What else is that but resurrection? It's the mm. very same thing that Paul was talking about. The soul, where is it? It's in the grave. And God, if a person is, is righteous and is in Christ, God's going to raise that person or redeem them from the grave, that soul from the grave. It's interesting too, Tim, because again, other translations of the Bible read that God will redeem my life. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So this aspect of resurrection where the life will now come back into them. Because as soon as that breath of life is taken away, mm -hmm. there's nothing left. Right, right. And so God is going to, to bring that back from the power of the grave to give them life, right. as we've talked about. And that, that life is just not life to die again. It's eternal life. Yeah. It's immortality, as Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 15. This mortal must put on immortality. And again, that's at the, at the second coming of Christ at the last trumpet. Just to tie into that, Tim, I think it's helpful for us to to just see where else the similar language is picked up on, because as you've been mentioning, you know, the hope that we have of eternal life, the same language is brought out again in Romans chapter 6, where I'll just read back in Romans chapter 5, where we see similar language to that which has already come up in 1 Corinthians 15. Mm-hmm. It says there, Romans 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now you come to the very end of Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right, beautiful. So there's that same aspect. It's kind of tying a lot of those, those passages right. and those references that we've looked at to show this is the hope that Paul is trying to draw their attention to. Something that's real, that's taught by the Word of God. Right, right. And so it all just kind of is, you know, encapsulated in, in some of those verses that we can pull together. Well, here we are. This, that's the end of the study. But it, as you can see, there's a lot there. Mm. And so it's, it's hard to try to present that all. But hopefully 
if you've made it this far, you're gonna, the rest of the podcast for this season are a lot easier to get through. <laughs> you know, Tim, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't just at least end off with a bit of encouragement yeah. and a bit of warning just as we continue on with our own study of the Word of God. Because I think this is a great example of where there's a danger of us projecting our own thoughts onto Scripture. Right. And I think what, what we've shown is that if you can spend the time to trace through what God is trying to reveal to us, which would be looking in Genesis, seeing, well, where is this thought continued coming over to 1 Corinthians 15? And then as you showed us saying, okay, well, where might Paul's mind be? Yeah. Psalm 49. And so tying those references together, we start to get a more complete picture of what the word of God is, is really trying to show to us. Instead of projecting our own thoughts, our own viewpoints onto the word of God and forcing its hand, allow the word of God to work in us and allow God to reveal these things by just tracing these thoughts through and having the honor of kings to search it out in our own lives. Well, that's fantastic, Stephen. I <laughs> thank you so much for being with me again this this Looking year forward this to the season. next one it's, you it's quite the kickoff this episode but we got a great season ahead of us and uh, looking forward to the the rest of the study so thanks, thanks for having me back tim looking yeah. forward to it if you'd like to share the podcast with those who are technically challenged we've made some easy step-by-step instructions on how to listen on either an apple or android device So just use this easy link, www.essentialbiblestudies.org slash help. That's on our website, www.essentialbiblestudies.org slash help. And while you're there, fill out the contact form and say hi. We love feedback. Essential Bible Studies is also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's just so many ways you can share the love of God's Word. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.